morning. Hello. Good morning. Y'all can have a seat. Uh, this is your first time with us. My name is Andrew. I am the preaching pastor for Anchor Church. Uh, happy Mother's Day. It is Mother's Day indeed. Indeed. That's coming off of Easter. Uh, happy Mother's Day. Uh, for whatever reason, my calendar, the U.S. holidays, and my preaching calendar never actually sync up. And every year I find myself preaching about like blood and sacrifice on uh, Mother's Day. So happy Mother's Day. If you were looking for sort of like the flowery uh, carnation Mother's Day sermon, uh, this is not that sermon. Uh, but if you are looking for the truth, I think that anchors uh, us into reality in Jesus uh, to live that radical life that is to be a mom, uh, to live as a rad. I think we live in a time... This isn't my sermon, but just as an aside, I think we live in a time and a place where people are really into like, we'll be radical Christians, and, and whatever that we have imagined in our mind uh, doesn't have in mind uh, these moms who are pouring into these kids at three in the morning, these moms who are long-suffering and loving kids day in and day out, and even as moms, I think I've heard people say, well, it sounds like all the radical stuff's happening out there or, or downtown or this other place, and, and we can almost set it up in such a way that it doesn't sound like moms are actually doing the radical sacrifice and the radical disciple-making uh, that they are. Uh, and so, yeah, it might, be not, might not be a carnation sermon, but it is a how do we live as radical disciples because Jesus is awesome sermon, which I think moms do need. So uh, it'll be that kind of Mother's Day sermon. How about that? Uh, I will pray for us, and I'll get going with my actual sermon. Uh, King Jesus, this is your day. You are the same yesterday, today, and forever. Help us to, to apprehend and comprehend that reality. Help us to take that into our being. Help us to take that into our lives Help us to understand that, that you're not waiting to get us and that you're not changing and you don't change your mind and your forgiveness is, is the same and your mercies are new every day and your steadfastness and your loving kindness uh, are, are part of who you are and who you have always been and who you always will be. Help us to understand that, that when the Bible says that God is love, that is who you are, who you have been, and who you always will be, that you're holy. You always have been and always will be uh, that you're unchanging. We change. The world changes. Politics change and governments change and money changes and countries change and fashions change and TV changes and radio used to be the thing and that's changed. It all changes, but you are the same, that we worship the same God as Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, that Jesus, you're the same God who came to earth 2,000 years ago and help us to understand how much that actually means in our lives, Jesus. We love you, Lord. Pray these things for your glory and for our joy in your name, Jesus Christ. Amen. All right, we'll be in Hebrews chapter 13, starting in verse 8. If you don't have a Bible, we have some on the table over there. Uh, feel free to grab one. Uh, we are in one of those verses that, that when, you, when you come to it, when you're, when you're ready to preach, uh, it's almost difficult to approach. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Uh, uh, part of me feels like it's just time to come out and say, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Thank you, good night, let's sing, yay! Because the, the, the profound nature of what, what that means, that Jesus is unchanging, that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. This is one of the most quoted verses I hear anyone quote. This is one of the, the things that we just hang on to. Uh, and I think this is an anchor for us. Uh, this, this helps us to understand Jesus at what kind of an anchor Jesus is for us. We named the church Anchor for a reason because we want it to be anchored in Jesus. Not in uh, 
ministry trend, not in uh, you know, whatever is happening uh, around and, in, and, and that our minds would be distracted by other things, uh, that, that it's not in, in faddishness and it's not in hipness, but it's anchored in Jesus and who he is. Because Jesus, verse 8, chapter 13, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. This is good news for us. This is good news for those who are seeking God. This is good news for those of us who are trying to figure out who God is or what God is. Uh, This is good news for people who are just looking and trying to figure it out. Because I think part of the reason that, that at least when I was seeking God, when I was looking for God and reading all the different books on the Barnes & Noble, uh, you know, you'd go into Barnes & Noble, oh, the Tibetan Book of the Dead, great. Oh, uh, the Bhagavad Gita, great. Oh, this other thing, what's this? The Upanishads, and you read them. uh, And the thing about it is, is that I need to change, Right? And the thing is that if God is changing and moving and evolving just like everybody else, uh, he's a moving target and so am I. It's like middle school all over again. Uh, You're trying to figure out what is cool and what is hip and won't get people throwing stuff at you in the lunchroom. Uh, And it turns out once you've actually nailed that, you show up and you got your MC Hammer pants on and you show up listening to Villanelle Ice and that was cool last week and this week it's not that anymore. Right? It's over. And you come in and you changed and so did everybody else. It's a moving target. God's not a moving target. The good news about Jesus, if you want to see the face of God, you look to Jesus. And Jesus isn't a moving target. It's not Jesus of the 1950s and Jesus of the 1800s and Jesus of the 1970s. It's Jesus, Jesus, the I am, the one who is and always will be, the one who is and is and is to come, Jesus Christ, the risen son. Sounds like a fly. It's not. Uh, This is good news for those of us who believe. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. His promises, if he's the same and he's unchanging, how durable are his promises? I will never leave you nor forsake you. All who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. God is love. He is holy. Uh, He is the I am. These things are durable. His character, his nature, his promises are durable. Not only that, but the forgiveness he's extended to us in our lives is durable. He doesn't look at your life. Because the the reality of the gospel is you can't get to God. There's nothing you can do to get to him. So he came down to get to you. The reality is we don't love him first. He loves us first. And he comes to save. This is grace. We're going to talk about grace extensively in a minute. So I will. It's one of my favorite things to talk about. So I will. I will. Hold back just a bit. But he comes down to get to us, and this is the gospel that Jesus saves, and Jesus sets us free, and that Jesus has come to make us free, and this is the gospel news that he, he saves us from ourselves and from our sin, and he saves us, and, and he moves. Now, the thing is, he doesn't look at your life and save you and say, well, I've saved you from all that stuff that you did in middle school or high school or college or your uh, graduate school or, or skipping all of those things and going straight into the dish pit or whatever it may have been for you and whatever your life looked like. The dish pit's where you wash dishes. It's a, it's a term in the industry for those of us who wash dishes. It's the place that smells bad and you, it's hot and it's awesome. I miss the dish pit sometimes. But anyways, whatever it is, wherever you're at in life, whatever those things, he looks at all those things and he washes them clean. And if we're not careful, we can act in such a way that a few weeks later we're like, oh yeah, and there was that other thing. Oh. Or, or maybe, maybe we feel forgiven in the moment for the thing, but then we feel not forgiven for the thing. Like he went back on his promise. You're, you're free. If he's the same yesterday, today, and forever, that means when he pronounces you clean, when he says it is finished, when he says you're saved, when he says there's nothing you can do to earn it, that doesn't change. 
It's not like, oh, I thought of something else, now I have to work hard to get, get forgiveness for that thing. Jesus Christ died to forgive you for your sins and save you, and that doesn't change, and it's durable. Now, this is important because we can kind of mentally look at it. We can kind of mentally look at it. Yeah, I understand. He's forgiven me for everything. And then something comes to mind from 15 years ago, from 20 years ago. And you're like, oh, I'm a horrible person. Well, yeah, you were, and you're saved. He's forgiven you, and you're new, and he didn't change his mind. Amen. Not only that, but he doesn't change how he saves us. Paul in Galatians, did you who begin in the spirit, are you going to finish this thing in works? So it's not that he saves us from ourselves and from our sins by his cross and his blood. And now you're a Christian and now it's time for works theology. Now you're saved and now it's time for you to get to work. And that is a common thing that no one maybe even said that to us. But even kind of the way we can approach how we do life and discipleship in church, can they even say that? Okay, so here's the deal. You get saved. There's nothing you can do to earn it. Jesus Christ lived the life you were supposed to live, so your life is covered. He died the death you deserve, so you're forgiven, you're clean, you're going to resurrect with him. He's ruling, he's reigning, he's over it all. We say all those things, and you say, yes, I'm in. And then next week we say, so we've got this stack of books for you to read and a couple classes for you to take. Because that's what real Christians do, is we read these books and take these classes, we do this stuff. These classes, are, classes and stuff are awesome. I, I want to do a class because I want to know the word better. I went to seminary because I want to know the Bible more, because I want to know Jesus more. No one said you have to go to seminary to be a better Christian or a better, you know, varsity Christians go do a thing, go take classes, go take adult Sunday school, which is always confusing for me, because like, why is an adult going to be in with the kids other than to watch the kids? But it turns out some churches call those things where they do their grunt. You ever do one of those? That I got invited to do one. You want to come teach Sunday school? No, kids scare me. I mean, my kids don't scare me. Your kids don't scare me. But being in the room, being the teacher, that's scary. Um, but he doesn't change, right? But sometimes the, the way we even approach discipleship says, no, it's time to get to work. The way we approach church membership, now it's time to get to work. Do all these things to fulfill this contract we've made for you. We believe to be part of this church and to be a member of this church means I'm taking responsibility for these people and these people are taking responsibility for me to follow Jesus and know him more and live in the freedom of the gospel. These people are taking responsibility for my freedom. That's what membership is. You're taking responsibility to help other people live free. And that's a big, weighty responsibility. But man, if you have the opportunity to help somebody else live free, what a gift. What a gift. Because we live in the freedom of the gospel. And this is good news, of course, that Jesus doesn't change. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever for those of us who need to change. Like I said, it's not two orbits it's not me and my MC Hammer pants, and then it turns out now gangster rap's the thing. And oh no, what do I do with my MC Hammer pants? And they're so shiny and swishy. <laughs> Our senior hall's not cool anymore, apparently. It's somebody else. It's changing, and I didn't know because I'm a nerd, and I, I've always been a nerd, and I'm never quite on it. You know what I mean? Like, it's not until I really resigned to be like, I'm just gonna listen to Conway Twitty, and we're gonna be okay here, uh, that I really found my like cruise control. There we go. Oh, good, another George Jones record, another Conway Twitty record. Great. They have that on 78. It doesn't matter, right? But what happens when you, what, what, the thing is, is that God is the one who, Jesus doesn't change. I need to change. I want to grow in loving kindness. That's one word, by the way, that I discovered this week, an amazing one word. I want to grow in loving kindness. I want to grow in gentleness. I want to grow in the grace of the gospel. I want to grow in these things. And if me and Jesus are just sort of on this adventure together, how do I know he's even reliable to change me? He's not if we're on this adventure together. We're, we are on this, I am on the adventure following him, but he's not a moving target. 
You realize that God's not a moving target. Those who draw near to God, God will draw near to them. That's a durable, reliable promise because Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday. Jesus Christ is the God of the Old Testament. The first 78% of your Bible. God made everything good. John 1.1 tells us, in the beginning was the Word. And I'm going to paraphrase a little bit. Without without anything was made, was made without the Word. Because he made everything. Jesus made everything and he made it good. And we broke it, right? How many good things in our lives do we break? I break good things that Jesus gives me in my life all the time by being selfish with them, by making them more valuable than they actually are, by putting them in the wrong place, by not doing with them what he actually wants me to do with them. I break them, and yet he's so faithful again and again because he's the same yesterday, today, and forever to put them back together again. The power in Christian community even to say, hey, that was rude, please forgive me. That was not what I meant to say, please forgive me. Oh, that, I should have done that other thing. Sorry, I'm sorry, covered, forgiven. There's something beautiful that happens, by the way, when we become a people who actually just say sorry for the things that we do that are not the things that we're supposed to do. Um, I think the way even like, I mean, it's mother, here we go, Mother's Day, parenting, marriage. The way we display the gospel in our parenting or display the gospel in our friendships or in our marriages uh, is not that, oh, hey, look, they've got it all put together. It's that we're, we can be that train wreck. <laughs> Orbiting around the rock. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Orbiting around the forgiveness and loving kindness of Jesus. Being a people who are like, wow, that was really messed up. That that guy did that other thing to that other guy. And then he said he was sorry. And they said, I forgive you. That was weird. Shouldn't this be a blood feud? Hatfields and McCoys? Shouldn't this be a duel or something? Too much Conway Twitter. Duels. Don't duel. See, even the joke doesn't work. It's when two guys shoot at each other. Um, (laughs) But he's the same today. Same today. Jesus, who set aside his divine rights and entered into human history, who came to serve and not be served, is sitting, ruling, and reigning as we speak. Real Jesus, 2,000 years ago, same today as he was yesterday, will be the same forever. These are just three little words, today, yesterday, today, and forever. They're significant and profound. Jesus is the same yesterday and today and forever. So verse 9. Do not be led away by diverse and strange teachings. Don't monkey with Jesus. Don't, don't get weird with Jesus. I mean, this is what he's saying. I'm not supposed to say that anymore. This is what he means. Don't get weird with the Bible. Don't get weird with Jesus. Don't try and make it say something it doesn't say because it says what it says. And it's true, and it's real. And, and, and sometimes the Bible says things that aren't popular. True. I am, I'm, I'm about to undergo a week in the book of Micah with my, my Hebrew teacher, who's a genius, and we're going to be in this Old Testament prophet for a week. And all Micah does for seven chapters is say things that aren't popular because they're true. Right? We live in a time and a place where we can tell people Jesus saves sinners. 
from everything, every wrong thing you've ever done, every right thing you've ever done for a pat on your back or for a parade, or every time you've made meaning and purpose out of something other than God, made something else ultimate, lived for something else, all of that forgiven, all of that wiped clean. But the problem about that is we have to say a word, and that's sin. And we have to say of ourselves that we're sinners. And we have to say of our friends that they're sinners. But we don't do that with pride and arrogance. We do that as a people who know I was dead and now I'm alive. I was enslaved and now I'm free. I was lost and now I'm found. I was drowning and now I'm alive. Right? Because I was drowning. I was drowning. I was dead. And now I'm alive. But that's not popular. So we find a different way to say it, where Jesus is just kind of, you know, whoever. It's not, it's not democratic, right? It's not, well, you know, that thing that Jesus said is really unpopular now, so it must not be true. The, the 51% say that it's not popular anymore. It must not be true. Let's get some beads together and some poets and some philosophers, and let's drop some beads and some buckets and see what the Bible actually said. Which, if this was the 1980s, you'd be like, yeah, Jesus seminar, get him. And everyone says, what are you talking about? That's crazy. It happened in real life, in history. You go Wikipedia, and you'll find out. You're like, oh, that's what he's talking about. But it's not democratic. It's even interesting, and I'm going to say this word. And so here, I have to preface the word. Uh, in liberal theology, and when I say liberal theology, I'm not, when, liberal and conservative theology are not about who you vote for. They're different things than that. That's not what it is. It's two ends of the spectrum, so we're clear. Oh, he's, he's talking about this red theology and this blue theology, and I thought this wasn't going to be about that. I'm going to whatever, right? It's not that. It's, it's, a, it's a framework. So in the early 20th century, the framework said, you know what? People don't buy miracles anymore. We're scientific. We're smart. We're not spiritual. But we need to retain the sort of moral conduct of the Bible. That's what they said in the early 20th century. So we get rid of the virgin birth, and we get rid of miracles, and we kind of downplay the resurrection, and, and we downplay all these things because, you know, that's just not going to sell anymore. We can't get people in the doors anymore with that. And so we kind of go that way in the church, in the liberal, you know, the liberal end of the spectrum. Then now we find ourselves here in 2014, and it's not that anymore, is it? People actually like miracles. People, people want to know about the resurrection. They just don't want Jesus to tell them what to do about anything. Right? So it's not the morality thing anymore. They want to get rid of that. They want the, the tables of switch. They want to get rid of that and just, but yeah, let's get into miracles. Let's get into turning water into wine. Who doesn't want to turn water into wine? You know, somebody who rose from the dead, that's cool. I'm into that. Yeah, I like this spirituality. I'm cool. I'm there. But it shifted. Right? It got edited one way, it got edited another way, and now all the guys who are edited it one way are trying to like run over here and edit it back to this other thing. Oh, spirituality's cool now, yeah, let's just get spiritual. Let's get down with that. But he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Do not be led astray. Do not be led away by diverse and strange teachings. Don't be led away by these things. Because here's the deal. God is God. <laughs> The best news of my life is when I wake up and realize when I'm stressed out about this, that, and the other, that I remember that God's God, right? And that he is working in my life and in the universe. Uh, the reality is, is that I, I, would, I would just like you to think then. So if, if Jesus is God, the great I am, appeared to Moses, burning bush, made everything, came into human history, died, rose again, it's all those things. And you have an encounter. I mean, 
we're not just trying to like teach doctrine. I want you to know Jesus. I want you to have a relationship with Jesus. I want you to personally know the God of the universe through Jesus who's revealed himself to humanity. If you meet God, Jesus, do you think that he's just going to As it turns out, he's like your twin separated at birth, and he's just into all the same stuff you're into, and whatever you like is godly, and, and whatever, whatever you're into is what he likes. And yeah, friends, that's a great show. Jesus loves friends, and, and uh, you know, there's nothing wrong you do in your life ever, and you're just perfect, and every human being should ever be like you. Is that what an encounter with the God of the universe looks like? I would imagine, because I've experienced it personally, that an encounter with the God of the universe means when I see Jesus for who he is, all of a sudden, all the junk in my life looks like junk and I want it gone and I want to change and I want to be changed and I want to be like him because it turns out when you encounter the God of the universe and who he is, it turns out you, if you were to have an encounter with the one who made everything, don't you think that everything should change? If you're looking for God, are you just looking for a twin separated at birth? Or are you looking for God? Because if he's God, then everything must change. And this is the wonder and beauty of God and who he is in Jesus because he changes us. He meets us where we are at, cleans us up, changes us, doesn't expect us to come to him clean because he's the one who's the same yesterday, today, and forever, not you. Don't get stuck. This is my sanctification pattern, 95. I'm just going to do this forever. Jesus is changing us, and he's changing you, and he should, I mean, seeing the face of God in Jesus, don't you want to change? Don't you want to be, Calvin said this, John Calvin, not the Hobbes and Calvin cartoon thing. <laughs> One of the greatest things that can happen in a human's life, and this is the remix, but is that they, when they see God for who he is, they see them for who they are. And the gospel of Jesus Christ is we see him for who he is and who we are. We see that God comes down to get to us and it's all grace and it's all mercy and it's all favor. And yes, I want to change and yes, I want to be different and yes, I want to be close to God. And God's the one who bridges the gap and this is the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So don't be led astray by diverse and strange teachings. And what I think is telling is in the mind of the author of Hebrews, and this is true, of course, it's the Bible, the next half of the verse is, for it is good for the heart to be strengthened by grace. Because there's two kinds of diverse and strange teachings. One that leads us towards a kind of what's called antinomianism or lawlessness. Hey, drink, eat, and be merry because, hey, it's the solstice parade. Let's do it. Let's rock and roll. You know, whatever. Who cares? Let's do it. And so we're told, hey, don't worry about anything. Just do what you want to do. Everything's going to be cool. That's one side of the spectrum, and, and that's, there's no need for grace there because you never ever do anything wrong, which, man, it's just, yeah, because you never do anything wrong. On the other side, of course, is legalism, some kind of legalism that says, well, you really need to do this. You need to join this club, and you need to move up these levels, and you do this thing, and you'll get to God or aliens or whatever the thing it is this week, right? You got to do these things. You got to take these steps. You got to do this thing, and then you'll be saved, or you'll be right, or you'll be right with God, or you'll be you'll get a planet, or whatever the heck the thing is. There's always something to get, but it's always works based. It's always works. It's always you have to do this thing to get this thing. Grace isn't you have to do this thing to get this thing. Nor is it just do whatever you want to do because that's just as horrible. I've lived in just do whatever you want to do, and it is not freedom. It is not freedom. 
It is selfishness and self-centeredness, and that kind of sin is a prison we build for ourselves. The prison where we're just after what I want in life, and it is prison, and it is not freedom. Likewise, we build this other prison for ourselves that is, I'm climbing the ladder to get to the thing so God will give me a good report card so I can get there, so these people will like me, so God will like me, so I can get a planet or whatever the thing is. The grace of God is that you are who you are and you are forgiven as you are, just as I am. This one plea that thy blood was shed for me because I need your grace and I need your mercy. I need grace and I need mercy. Grace is me getting things that I don't deserve, namely God. And mercy is me not getting the things I do deserve, which is really karma. You get what you deserve. And by the way, I don't want what I deserve. I get way better than that in Jesus. But see this grace? For it is good for the heart to be strengthened by grace. I think one of the number one ways that God changes us is grace. It's forgiveness. It's loving kindness. It's faithfulness. God doesn't just send you to your room to think about what you've done. The Spirit convicts and Jesus forgives and God changes us to be more like his son. Strengthens our, the forgiveness, the time in and time out forgiveness of God strengthens us. It changes us. The gospel is what changes us. Not identifying, okay, I've identified the sin, that was wrong, and I'm gonna try really, really hard to never ever do that again. Because guess what? I can do that without Jesus. I can do that all, I was straight edge. I can do that all day long without Jesus. Another esoteric, you don't drink, you don't smoke, you don't do drugs, and you wear X's on your hands and go to hardcore shows. I don't need Jesus for that. I just got bands. Something else to think about. The grace changes us and strengthens us and moves in our lives through the cross and through the blood. Now by foods, which is not benefited, benefited those devoted to them. Uh, now he's specifically talking about sort of more the um, Old Testament liturgical background. The whole thing is that, 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 that there are people here that are receiving this letter who are getting lost and thinking that it's the things they do that make them holy. Another prison. It's not the things you do that make you holy. Those are a gift and they're a means of grace. Your Bible is a gift Walking with people, getting discipled is a gift. Community groups a gift. Sunday getting together is a gift. It's a means that God is using to change you, but it's God who's doing the changing in your life. It's not like you got a gold star because you showed up this Sunday. Well, I have a chart in the back, but we keep that between. No, I'm just kidding. No charts. Someone actually got nervous. Like, oh no, oh no, because um, this is a gift. Church is a gift. The Bible is a gift. God has revealed himself to us in his son. His son is a gift. These are all means that God is using to set you free to move in your life. Not the liturgical song and dance. It's not the things. It's not what we do. It's who Jesus is. Verse 11. For the bodies of those animals whose blood, happy Mother's Day, is brought into the holy places by the high priests as a sacrifice for sin are burned outside the camp. What the heck does that mean? Okay, quick unpack. 
So most of the sacrifices that happen, there's lots of sacrifices because God has a means of grace for people in the Old Covenant, which is you screw up, you go to God with the sacrifice, the sacrifice pays the price for your sin, so you don't have to. The New Covenant is Jesus Christ, God himself came to pay the sacrifices for sins so you don't have to, and also so that you don't have to keep going to the temple with a goat or whatever. Right? Now, most of the stuff that comes in, the priests actually get to eat, but one sacrifice a year the uh, Day of Atonement sacrifice, the Passover, pardon me, the Passover sacrifice, that thing happens outside the camp. Outside the camp, that's not like, um, you know, that's not like the cool place where there's cool stuff. It's the lame place. It's, it's where everything unclean goes. It's where everything hard happens, happens outside the camp. Uh, and so that sacrifice ha- happens outside the camp because they let one of the sacrifices go. Now I'm confusing my days. That's Day of Atonement. Back up. Passover sacrifice happens outside the camp. Jesus Christ, likewise, is our Passover lamb. Now, the Passover lamb, of course, starts in the Exodus. Blood gets posted over the doorways as God is about to finally bring to a close the epic, uh, it's not even that epic, God is pretty much the uh, complete and total winner in the Exodus story. But God's about to bring the thing to a close, and and God passes over, he's going to come in and destroy the firstborn in the country of Egypt, except for those who have put the blood over the doorway, and he passes over them as an act of grace. Outside the camp is the bad zone. It's not where you want to be. It's where bad things happen. So Jesus, so Jesus also suffered outside the gate in order to sanctify a people through his own blood. Jesus, God himself, goes outside the camp to save us from ourselves. Outside the camp is Golgotha. Outside the camp is the place of the skull. Outside the camp is the cross. Outside the camp is where God himself, holy, perfect, and spotless, goes to die in our place so that we can live, and there's nothing we can do to earn it. He does it all. He suffered outside the gate in order to sanctify people through his own blood, to make a people holy, to make people like you and me holy and right with himself. Now, what do we do with that? So God, who's perfect, same yesterday, Jesus Christ, same yesterday, today, and forever, took his cross outside the camp and died and bled for us. He bared the reproach, all the Isaiah 53 imagery. 13, therefore, therefore let us go to him outside the camp and bear the reproach he endured. What? I I thought this was going to be about balancing my checkbook right or health or wealth or something nice. Something with carnations. Therefore, let us go to him outside the camp and bear the reproach he endured, because Jesus is out there. Jesus is out there. Jesus, 
To bear the name of Jesus in 2014 means there are times when we bear reproach. There are times and places by the fact that you are a Christian, people will not like what you have to say. And so we invent other names. Oh, I'm a disciple of Jesus. Oh, I'm a follower of Jesus. I'm a follower. I'm, a, I'm the way. I do the way. You mean you're a Christian and you love Jesus Christ, the Messiah who bled and died, and you believe the Bible. We don't like it. We change it on faith. I'm religious. I'm other. Religious other. Because I don't do religion or whatever. We come, we come up with all these things to try and candy coat and pad the reality that we believe that Jesus came to save sinners. And while we do that, we just cover up the lamp. We cover up the light of the gospel. We try and ride the fence. We try and just be accepted. We just want to be accepted so bad. You want to be accepted at work. You want to be accepted at school. I want to be accepted by Jesus. Yeah. Yeah, I'm a Christian. Yes, I believe the Bible. It's true. And I don't need to make something up. And, and I think something is, uh, there's been a shift. There's been a shift where we kind of try and, we dream up, we try and try and dream, how can I have this like radical life for Jesus? How can I really live a Christian life? How can I, I read the book of Acts and I just want a, a Christian, I want to live the Christian life. I want to live this magical, imaginary Acts 2 Christian life. But the thing is, the Acts 2 Christian life isn't imaginary. But the thing that we miss is we go to it and what do we do? We say, well, what are they doing? Let's do what they're doing. Let's unlock the secret potion to what they're doing. And we miss the reason why they're doing what they're doing. It's not because they're radical Christians. It's because they're radical worshipers of Jesus who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. There are people that are so recklessly lost in his love. They're so recklessly lost in his mercy that they will lay their whole lives down to worship him. And as we worship him, we're changed by him. Because if you make a list, if you go to Acts 2 and you make the list, you're like, okay, they're eating together, praying together, hanging out, they're doing this thing and helping people and doing the thing, and it's just about doing. So, well, I'm a real Christian. I'm an Acts 2 person. I'm not like those Christians. I'm not like uh, Pat Robertson or whoever over there. I'm not like those guys. I'm like these guys. I want to be like these guys. Because the problem with that reproach is it turns out when you look at our family, not just this family, but the family of people who love Jesus, guess what? There's a bunch of sinners in there. There's a bunch of people who have made mistakes and continue to make mistakes, and we try and get to a kind of perfectionism where I'm like, no, I'm not that kind of Christian. I'm this kind of Christian. You mean like the sinner kind of Christian who screws up and doesn't do everything right and needs the grace and mercy of Jesus Christ, or the kind that just does everything right? Which one are you? You're the one who does everything right or the one that needs grace and mercy? Because I'll, I'll be in with the grace and mercy guys. And yeah, there are guys who just oh man, sometimes you just watch the news or whatever and somebody just opens their mouth and you say something, I really wish you hadn't said that. Please don't say that. Stop giving that guy a microphone. Who is giving that guy a microphone? Doesn't somebody have a microphone for somebody else? Anybody else but that guy who's part of the family who we're going to be with in heaven forever. Who's just as messed up and jacked up as I am. No, I, th I think the thing is, is that we kind of try and get into this like this radical mindset. We make the list, and we'll do this, and we'll do that, and we'll, it's all action based. 
And, and so we, we can do things where like, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll spend all this time serving. Or the, the thing that's going to not just make you like go to the soup kitchen once, but is going to be there when you're there at the Pregnancy Resource Center, week in, week out, year in, year out, tragic story after tragic story, loving, serving, not judging, caring, holding, telling the truth of the gospel. That's there with your neighbor week in, week out, even though he's knocking, this is not my neighbor, by the way, even though he's knocking your garbage cans over and making fun of you for being a Christian and peeling your Jesus sticker off your car, whatever he's doing to you, week in, week out, instead of just writing him off and saying, but loving him and caring for him and wanting, praying for him in and out is not that you're like, oh, I'm a radical Christian, so this is what radical Christians do, but you being lost in the love of Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever, God himself who went out Outside the camp for you so that you could go with him outside the camp and bear his reproach to serve the way he served, to love the way he loved, to lay your life down the way he laid your life down. If you have your eyes fixed on actions, you will fail. Sorry. If we have our eyes fixed on Jesus, changes everything. When I actually profoundly understand that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever has forgiven me from everything, and he died so I can live, so I can have it all, so I can have him. Changes everything. If you just get the, I mean, if we gear our church around this the wrong way, right, then it's like, how can we program Acts 2? You can't. I want to be an Acts 2 church. I want a church that loves God's word, worships him recklessly, cares for each other in radical ways, that, 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 that gives our lives to help each other follow Jesus in our spiritual needs, in our physical needs, who knows the ins and outs of each other's lives, not because we built a program where you have to get together once a week and confess all your junk to each other, but because you actually know each other. Because we actually know each other. We actually know where each other is at. And that we love our neighbors, not because it's the program and it's the time. And those things grease the tracks. The fact that we can bring diapers and love our neighbors and someone's going to get diapers to people who don't have diapers uh, at, at family works, that's good. I'm into that. But if it's only the program, if that doesn't lead you to loving your neighbors, then it's only a program. And we will keep doing it because babies keep needing diapers. But there's a whole herding city, and this is just the catalyst for that. They are image bearers of God. The city is full of image bearers of God, made in the image of God, hurting and suffering and in pain and dying apart from Jesus. And it's hard out there, outside the camp. We need people who want to make disciples. You know what the state of what the Northwest needs? It's preachers, gospel-centered churches, and people who will bleed and die to love and serve this place. Do you think that is easy to go outside the camp? If you want to preach the gospel, if you want to go plant a church somewhere, if you want to be part of what God is doing in that, no one throws you a parade, or at least not for very long. Oh, you believe the Bible? Oh, come now. We're civilized here in Linwood. 
But hear this, verse 14. For here, here, we have no lasting city, but we seek the city that is to come. We seek the city that is to come because it turns out it's all, it's all showing up to middle school in MC Hammer Pants. You want to be accepted? You can't shapeshift your way into continual acceptance by everyone all the time. Through the blood of Jesus Christ, however, God accepts us. How much better is that? How much, I mean, like I said, I'm knee-deep in like Micah. <laughs> knee-deep in Isaiah. No one accepted these guys but God. At the end of my life, if that's what I am told, no one accepts you except for Jesus. Well, hey, no one accepted him either. Well, now they do, but you know what I mean. Died on a cross. Let's live for him. Let's live for the one who went outside to camp. Glorious God who saved us from ourselves. By his grace and mercy. By the empowering of his Holy Spirit. Fifteen. Through him. Through him. Let us continue to offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. And we're not talking about some table or something. This is the fruit of the lips that acknowledges his name. Jesus is king. Jesus is king. Jesus is king. What does it look like? Where's the camp? Where's uncomfortable? Where's hard? Where's just the stuff? You just don't want to look at it. Jesus is out there. Let's pray. Lord, I want to be changed. I want to be radical. I want to be reckless. And I pray for revival. You are the God of revival because you're the same God who's the same yesterday, today, and forever. I pray for the planting of churches in Seattle. I pray for the preaching of the gospel uh, in the Northwest. I pray for people who just desperately love the city. 
who understand we're part of this city. We're part of this region. We're part of this place. And because we're part of this place, we're heartbroken for it. Help us, Jesus, to know you and to love you and to grow in your grace. We love you, Lord. Amen.